Well, thank you so much, Abby, for sharing that with us. And good morning, everybody. My name is Matt, and I'm really excited to be sharing with you today. In fact, I want to start with a topic I'm sure you're all really excited about, terms and conditions. Okay, so you're probably not excited about that. You probably don't really think about it, but you've seen them before, right? Anytime you download an app or a program, there's always terms and conditions, and you select agree. Now, probably most of us, actually probably all of us, don't really read through them. I mean, if you ever have, I guess you can comment and be like, yeah, I actually read through them all once. But, you know, very unlikely, John Maneri, I see you. You probably have not read through them. I don't believe you. So, you know, <laughs> but Instagram's terms and conditions, they're actually 5,000 words long. I mean, that's why nobody wants to read through them, right? But here's a couple highlights for you that will help you out. Did you know when it comes to Instagram, in their terms and conditions, they say other people may pay us to use your pictures, but we won't actually pay you, okay? We may randomly delete your posts. We can force you to give up your username for any reason. And finally, we may share your personal information with other companies. <laughs> That's just that. But here's the real kicker, kicker when it comes to terms and conditions. All of those terms and conditions are not set in stone. They're subject to change. So yeah, okay, you know all the rules we just set up for you? Instagram sets these rules? Well, that's like up until we decide to change our minds about it. So they can just decide that they all are subject to change. We're like, all right, not cool, Instagram and most other terms and conditions. Well, we've been in a series called Mission Possible. And it's so important for us right now. That's what we've been saying. Even though things look different, we can still focus on the mission that God has for us, which is to reach other people for him. And so, you know, in week one, Pastor Jeff talked about how people matter. People matter to God. People matter more to God than our personal comfort or convenience, our schedules, even more than buildings or theology. It's not that those things don't matter, but people matter more to God. And that's why it's important for us to focus on the mission. And last week talked about how you can run, but you can't hide. Pastor Jeff looked at the story of Jonah and talked about how even despite Jonah's disobedience, God still was able to use him to reach other people because it's still about the mission. And so this week, if we were to kind of title it, I'd say the title is Subject to Change. As in that is the title. That's the title, Subject to Change. So here's why I kind of say that. I'm a big note taker. If uh, you're listening, I'd encourage you to take notes. I actually listen to these sermons like so many times because I'm like editing them and stuff, but I still will take notes when I go and sit down and, and watch the service because I think it's a great way for you to remember what we talked about. So if you're a note taker, this would be kind of the first big thing to write down, and it's this. Life is subject to change. Life is subject to change. It's not just limited to terms and conditions for Instagram or another app or program. Now, you probably already know that, right? Especially with our current situation. You're like, Matt, I didn't really need to tune into church to know that life is subject to change. But that's the truth. We all have expectations, but life can change them. And today, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. He's an Old Testament character. He's, he's in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. But his life perfectly illustrates this. We'll kind of be going more of a bird's eye view, like a character study, an overview of his whole life. But it's because he understood this truth. He experienced this truth that life is subject to change. But he's an example for us, and we can learn from his story today. We're saying that life is subject to change. Well, what are some of those changes we can experience? 
Maybe you're here today and you feel stuck in a pit. In fact, that's kind of the first major life change that Joseph faced. In Genesis chapter 37, we read about it in verse 23. It says, when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him. They threw him into the cistern or the pit. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. In verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. And so when the traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, you kind of know how it goes. Joseph was physically stuck in a pit. I mean, this is kind of dark, this story. I mean, if you have siblings, you've probably been mad at them before. But really, like, to want to do this to your own brother, it, it's dark. And Joseph, he goes from his father's favorite son to being in a pit and sold as a slave. If you're Joseph, it's like you can't get any lower. Maybe you're listening today and you're not physically stuck in a pit, but you can relate to that feeling of, like, I can't go any lower. The hurt, the loss, the pain that you're experiencing right now, it's like, man, I, I can't go any lower. I actually know somebody whose house burned down and their dog died during all of this. It's horrible. Like, that's never a good thing to go through, and this is the worst time to go through it. In fact, I would take being stuck in a pit for like a week over that happening to me. And maybe that's how you feel. I know what some of you are going through right now. I don't know what everybody's going through. And maybe that could be how you feel like you're in a pit. Maybe you feel locked in a prison. Stuck in a pit or locked in a prison. That was the next big life change that Joseph experienced as well. And just two, cha two chapters later, chapter 39, we read what happened to him. And verse 20, so he, Joseph's master, took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. He remained in that prison. If you know the story, he, he remained there for some time, a couple years in fact. Just when Joseph thought he couldn't get any lower, he's been a slave for years, sold by his own family. Now he's in prison as a slave. And he wasn't there, he wasn't supposed to be there. He was wrongly accused. And with this quarantine going on, that may be exactly how you feel. Like you're stuck, you're locked in a prison. Man, we're like limited right now. You can't, you're trying not to see people. You can't go outside, right? You're, maybe you're by yourself even. And so you're, you're like, I'm locked in a prison right now. I'm limited. Maybe you feel like a prisoner to your own sin. In fact, that this pandemic has, has revealed, uh, has exposed some sin in your life and you feel stuck in it. Maybe it's a habit or an addiction or maybe it's just your own thoughts and anxieties and you feel like you can't get out of it. You're stuck there. You're locked in a prison right now. Maybe you feel stuck in a, uh, stuck in a pit, locked in a prison. Or maybe you're living like a prince. That was the next episode of Joseph's life. He was elevated. He, after his time as a slave, he became a prince. It's an incredible story. And if you've never read it, I'd encourage you to read it. Maybe even after church today, you can find it in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. And each time you want to find out what happens next. But in chapter 41, he appears before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream, uh, which Pharaoh was impressed. And he says this in verse 39. 
then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Joseph became prince. He went from as low as you could go, a slave in prison, to pretty much as high as you could go. There's some of you listening or watching right now that with everything going on, maybe you're doing okay. Maybe you're not really doing that bad, like you're maybe more of an introvert anyway, and you know you haven't lost your job, and kind of working from home isn't really that much of an inconvenience for you anyway, and I don't know, like you're doing all right, like you're getting paid and you bought a few things on Amazon and you're like, dude, life's okay with this whole thing. I actually feel like I'm living it up. But no matter what life change you're experiencing, we have to ask the question, how do we live on mission if life is subject to change? How do I live on mission when the mission isn't what I thought it would look like? If you're in a pit, you say, I'd love to, Matt. I'd love to live for God, but I just lost everything, Matt. Maybe you're in a prison, you say, I'd love to, but Matt, we're limited right now. I I can't do anything. We're stuck in our house. I feel like that's probably where most people are. We're limited. I'll live for God. I'll live on mission when things change. Then I'll get back to it. Or maybe you're even living like a prince. You're like, honestly, Matt, sure, I'd love to live for God, but that's like outside my comfort zone. Like, you know, it's not really my thing. It's not like my gifting, like I'm the sort of person, like I need to feel it, you know, before I do. So yeah, yeah, I want to live for God, but I'm just not, it's not where I'm at at the moment, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just not there. Well, here's kind of, I think, the truth for us today. It's kind of the next big thing for you to write down. Life changes, but the mission doesn't. Life changes, the mission doesn't. Joseph is an example for us all throughout these episodes, but I think he sums it up best at the end of his life in Genesis 50, verse 20. Here's Joseph's perspective. Here's what he says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. That's a perspective that Joseph gained at the end of his life, looking in hindsight at all of the episodes, realizing that God was working in him and through him at each place. Life changes, the mission doesn't. You know, I even think about our series, Mission Possible, right? It should make you think of a movie franchise, Mission Impossible, right? Or even the James Bond films. But what makes uh, uh, Secret Agents so cool, what makes those movies so exciting, it's not that they just did the mission, it's that Despite everything going wrong, when everything changes, when life changes on them, they still know the mission hasn't changed. And that's what makes those agents valuable, right? It's when they stick to the mission even when life changes. There's a passage in the New Testament that I think perfectly describes this. It's written by somebody named James. Now, if you're listening today and maybe you don't believe the Bible, you're like, dude, that's just not my thing. I just don't believe that. That's okay, and I'm glad that you're listening. In fact, I I really think that what we're talking about is life-changing, whether you believe it or not. I believe that the Bible is uh, inspired by God. Again, you may not think that. But here's something that could maybe help you in that journey of kind of trying to decide where to place the Bible, uh, like in your own thoughts, where should I put this, you know, sort of thing. James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe Jesus was divine at first. But something eventually changed in him, and he came to believe that his own brother was God. I mean, think about that. What would it take for you to believe that your own brother was God? 
God. I'm just thinking my own brother, like, sorry, Anthony, I love you, but like, <laughs> obviously I don't think he's God, and there's no way he thinks I'm God, right? What would it take to convince you of that? Well, James came to a place where he came to believe that about Jesus, his own brother. He's the half-brother of Jesus. But let's uh, read what he says. He writes to some Christians who were facing persecution for being Christian. They were facing murder and imprisonment because of their faith. Here's what he says, James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. An opportunity for joy. What's he talking about? What, what, what's wrong with them? I mean, like these Christians, again, who he's writing to, they're being persecuted, facing murder and imprisonment. But he keeps going. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Endurance, that's a word that we're all familiar with, right? I mean, you probably think athletics. Endurance, it's like building up endurance, building up strength. It's like if you're uh, lifting weights, right? The, uh, at first, it can be really tough, but the more that you lift them, the easier it gets. You're building your endurance, and so you put more weight on so you can kind of grow your muscles. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at here. He's saying that endurance isn't just for the gym. It's for all areas of your life. Let's see what else he says. He continues in verse 4. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. One way of saying it may be practice makes perfect. That endurance and developing, that when we experience changes in our life, that it's, it's a chance for us to develop endurance, not just personally, but spiritually as well. I think one way of saying it is like this. When life changes, God may be trying to change you. When life changes, God may be trying to change you. And I think that's exactly what Joseph understood. And so again, if you're taking notes, kind of here's what I think, here's kind of the takeaway that I want you to walk away. We're saying life is subject to change. How do I live on mission when life changes? It's uh, the life changes, the mission doesn't. And so here's what I want you to know, to know today. See the opportunity. See the opportunity. I think that's what Joseph was able to do. He saw the opportunity. His life is that example for us. There's so many principles that we can take from his life. But I think Joseph knew how to see the opportunity that God placed in front of him. And I think that's exactly what you and I need to be doing right now. May see the opportunity for what? Well, again, looking at his life, I think he shows it to us. How did Joseph live on mission? See the opportunity for what? Here's the first one, walk with God. See the opportunity to walk with God. Joseph understood this. We see how the life changes cause him to cultivate his own personal walk with God. Early on in Joseph's story, verse 37, he starts at 17. He's kind of like a punk teenager, and he gets these dreams from God and can interpret uh, dreams, and he brags about it, and he brags to his family. He thinks he's better than other people because of that gift that God has given him. But we see his attitude change throughout his life, and he comes to the point where it's not about him anymore, and he develops his own relationship with God. And one of the really great examples, I think, is in Genesis 41, verse 16. He's standing in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, hey, I heard that you can interpret dreams. Are you going to do that for me? And Joseph says this in verse 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. That comes from a relationship with God. Joseph knew God on a deep and personal level. So when God spoke to him, he knew. 
It was clear. It was easy. You even see his confidence coming through, talking to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, like, hey, it's not me, it's God, but I think God can help you. It came from a relationship with God. I think about a a sermon that Pastor Jamal preached um, maybe two, three months ago now, and he had this quote. He said that platforms only elevate who you already are. That really impacted me. And so, man, even in the midst of a life change, see the opportunity to develop your walk with God. I think this quarantine, this crisis right now has exposed what our priorities are. The way that you're spending your time has revealed what is important to you. But the good thing is, if you're here and you say, I'm not happy with my priorities, I'm not happy with how I'm spending my time, right now you have the opportunity to set a new normal. You have the opportunity to set a a, a new list of priorities. This is the best time. This is as easy as it will ever be to make a new normal for yourself. And so, man, see the opportunity to walk with God. But what else? Joseph saw the opportunity to walk with God. He saw the opportunity to work with God. And I think it's important for us too. Joseph understood the truth that God placed him exactly where he was for a purpose. Joseph could have easily had the excuse of like, well, you know, once I'm out of prison, then I'll live for God. Yeah, then I'll do something. Once I'm not limited, once I'm not locked in this cell anymore, I'm not even supposed to be here anyway. But he didn't have that attitude. Joseph viewed every single place he was at as a mission field that God placed him at. You know, sometimes we can split work up into two different categories. We can make work spiritual and not spiritual, normal, regular. In church circles, sometimes we use the word secular, right? So like worldly, that's what we mean by that. So there's spiritual work and then there's secular work. There's spiritual work like pastors, right? And missionaries, the youth pastors, the music uh, uh, pastor, right? The kids pastor, those, that's the spiritual jobs, And then there's like the regular jobs, you know what I mean? Like plumbers and parents, even politicians, right? That's not a spiritual job. But when you read the Bible, there's no such distinction. In fact, most of the people in the Bible didn't have what we would call spiritual jobs. On Wednesday nights, we're talking about Nehemiah. He he didn't have a spiritual job. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote over half of the New Testament. Many of us would call him the greatest missionary that ever lived. And he was a tent maker, he didn't get paid to be a missionary full-time all the time. Most, sometimes he had to make his own money by making tents. You know, if somebody like that came to our church today, we'd say, oh, that's really great. God has a calling on your life. One day you'll be a missionary. But Paul said, no, he didn't make that, uh, he didn't differentiate it that way. He viewed himself as a missionary for God. We view him the same way. And that's why the Apostle Paul and this story of Joseph, it's actually uh, incredibly real to me. I really relate to them. In that sense, because I, uh, for many years, I was bivocational in ministry. I was a youth pastor, but I also worked part-time at Starbucks. And man, I, I had worked there for so long, certain people had asked me like, oh, so are you like looking to move up in the company and stuff? And I'm like, no, like, the, no, this is not what I want to be doing with my life forever. But I had to develop a Joseph-like attitude that, that said, you know what, God? I'm serving you right now. I'm serving you in ministry, but I'm not going to say to myself, oh, well, when I'm not working at Starbucks, then I'll really serve you, God. You know, once I'm not limited, then I'll really start getting to it, God. No, I had to develop an attitude that said, all right, God, I'm here right now, and I want you to use me. I understand that you've got a mission for me. Even the life changes, the mission doesn't. And so I didn't differentiate between spiritual and, and, and normal or secular, right? In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in Colossians 3, Verse 23, he says, work willingly at whatever you do 
as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. And so no matter where you are, and I'm talking about even right now with the coronavirus crisis going on, even though you may be limited, God wants to use you. Remember, platforms elevate where you already are, right? That's what Pastor Jamal said. He was quoting somebody. So see the opportunity. See the opportunity to walk with God. See the opportunity to work with God. And here's my last one for you. See the opportunity. Embrace the season. Embrace the season. That's exactly what Joseph understood, that his life was in season. And at every point, he chose to serve God and he embraced it. When he was a slave, when he was a prisoner, when he was a prince, he always focused on others. Every season helped Joseph prepare him for the next season, but each season had a mission of its own. And his calling wasn't just one event, one time. It was the sum of his whole life. You know, you and I, sometimes we can think that way, that God has one thing for us. If you're a teenager or a young adult, right now you may think that, like, I'm trying to figure out what that thing God has called me to, and and one day I'll figure it out and I'll really serve God and it'll be so great once I know that thing God has called me to. Maybe you're a little older than that and you say, yeah, I remember, you have stories, I know how God has used me. I remember those times when God used me and it's great, And, and that time is You know, I I remember it, and you just think to the past, but we can miss what God is currently trying to do in our lives right now. Even in the the coronavirus crisis, COVID-19, currently, what is God trying to do? When we think like that, there's one thing. It's not one thing. Life changes, but the mission doesn't. And so see the opportunity. Embrace the season. I know some people at our church that are embracing the season right now. They had a friend uh, who was talking to them that, hey, would God really do something like this, X, Y, and Z? And they said, well, why don't you read the Bible and find out? Why don't you read the book of Job? And so now they're texting back and forth about the book of Job. I know someone else in our church who's going on walks with their neighbors who are alone right now. They're embracing the season like, all right, you know, I can't really do much, but we could walk six feet apart and, and, and I'll spend some time with you. It's that ministry of presence, Right. I know somebody else who works as a school administrator and they email the whole school uh, administration staff and at the end of their emails, they, they end it with, I love you, I believe God loves you and I'm praying for you right now. And you or I, we may think like, well, I don't know, that's a little pushing it, that's a little risky, but it turns out the whole administration loves it. The principal even highlighted this person for saying, man, thank you for being so positive right now. That's an example of embracing the season. Life changes, the mission doesn't. So see the opportunity. Embrace the season. And so that's what we're saying as we're wrapping up. Life is subject to change. You may feel stuck in a pit, locked in a prison. Maybe you're living like a prince, but even though life changes, the mission doesn't. In fact, when life changes, God may be trying to change you. And so see the opportunity. Walk with God. Cultivate your walk with God. Work with God. See what God is placing in front of you and embrace the season. Embrace the season. Here's kind of the last thing I want to leave with you. I watched a sermon with Stephen Furtick. He's pastor of Elevation Church, kind of the first week that you know none of us were able to meet in person for church. And he kind of said this. He was like, you know, the devil may think right now, yeah, I got all the Christians locked up inside. Great. But he's like, we, what if we prayed so much and worked so hard that the devil goes, wait, I got to unlock all the doors. I got to let these people out of here. They're serving God and they're making too much of a difference. What if we lived like that, like the mission was still possible? And so here's how I want to close today. I want to pray with you and I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you're listening today and, and, and you hear what I'm saying about uh, a walk with God. Maybe you want to begin a walk with God today. 
in the uh, description to the video, there's a link to an online connection card. We've done this last couple weeks, but you'll see some boxes there, A, B, C, and D. Box A is if you're already, a, uh, you're already in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and what I'm saying about feeling stuck in a pit or locked in a prison. I, again, I know what some of you are going through right now. We would love to pray with you. The pastoral staff, we want to pass those along to our prayer team. And so if that's you, go to the connection card, check off box A and say, but you know, here's where I can use prayer. Uh, but I, I want to see the opportunity God's putting in front of me right now. But maybe you're listening and you need to check box B. You've been putting it off. You've been wanting to get it right with God, but now you know, like, this is the best time. If I don't do it now, when else am I going to do it? And so if you're here and you say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I want to begin this walk with God that you're talking about that I see in Joseph's life, Matt. I would encourage you to check that box off and so I can pray with you today. Uh, we want to pray with you today and help you along with that journey. Maybe you're more at the place right now where you want to check off box C, that you're still considering it right now. Maybe there's something going on in your heart. There's, there, it's stirring a little bit. And you say, Matt, I hear what you're saying. Matt, I, I want to be part of it. I get it. But I'm just not at that place right now where, where I feel like I can make that jump. And, and I can understand that. I can understand that. I, we value that. You know, we want this to be a place where you can still, where you can feel that way. You can still try to figure it out, but be part of what's happening here. You still belong here, even if that's you. Look, we're all trying to figure it out. And so if that's you, you say, dude, hey, Matt, you want to pray for me? Sure, I'll fill out a prayer request. I'll check off box C. I'm considering it. I'm trying to figure it out. But I think that's awesome if you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you're a little more like box D, which is you doubt you'd ever make a decision for God. If that's you, if you think you'll never make that decision, why don't you check that box off? If you really think that, you're like, why would I do it? Well, how about you have the guts to check it off if that's you and you say, well, I don't think I'll ever make that decision. Then what's the harm in checking the box off? Why? Because I still want to pray with, for you. I, I know you probably don't really want me to, but if you don't think you'd make that decision, then what's the big deal? But I can think of people who were once box D, who checked off box D and said, today I'm beginning a, a walk with God. And so let me pray for us and then and, and we'll be uh, finished with the service today. God, I thank you so much. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you that we can come to you, God. And thank you for the truth that even though life is subject to change, God, and we can all be experiencing different levels of that change, Lord, that the mission doesn't. In fact, you may be trying to change us. And so, God, I pray for all of us today, God, to see the opportunity. For my friends, God, especially right now, who know they want to start a walk with you, to get it right with you, Lord God, I pray that your spirit, uh, you would make yourself known to them right now, God. Give them the confidence of your Holy Spirit. Help them to make a new decision to, to follow you, God, to cultivate their walk with you at this time, Lord God. And I pray for all of us, Lord God, that we would see the opportunity, like we said, to walk with you, to work with you, Lord God, to see what you're placing in front of us, and also, God, to embrace the season, to not say, well, later I'll get it right, but God, we would live like the mission is possible now, like you have called us to, Lord. We thank you so much for this time together, God. I pray you'd be with all of us in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.